I hope you enjoyed the first part of your journey into the world of Avonlea. Now it's time to have some fun reflecting on and talking about what you just read. I will ask you some questions, and after you have formulated your own thoughts or discussed the questions with a companion, you can listen to my answers and see if we had the same ideas. Question 1. What is your first impression of Mrs. Lind? Do you have any favorite quotes to capture her character? Pause the recording to think or talk about it, and then come back to hear what I have to say. For me, the first words that come to mind when I think of Mrs. Rachel Lind are busybody and gossip. She has her nose in everyone else's business, and she is quick to carry news about one neighbor to the next. She also seems awfully judgmental and outspoken, as we see her give advice that wasn't asked for on matters she wasn't even meant to know. I think of all the lines about Mrs. Lind, my favorite is the first one. Remember how I said we could learn something about a character even from the behavior of a brook? I was thinking, of course, of the opening line of the novel. Quote, Mrs. Rachel Lynde lived just where the Avonlea main road dipped down into a little hollow, fringed with alders and ladies' eardrops, and traversed by a brook that had its source away back in the woods of the old Cuthbert place. It was reputed to be an intricate, headlong brook in its earlier course through those woods, with dark secrets of pool and cascade. But by the time it reached Lynn's Hollow, it was a quiet, well-conducted little stream, for not even a brook could run past Mrs. Rachel Lynn's door without due regard for decency and decorum. It probably was conscious that Mrs. Rachel was sitting at her window, keeping a sharp eye on everything that passed, from brooks and children up and that if she noticed anything odd or out of place, she would never rest until she had ferreted out the whys and wherefores thereof. Unquote. Mrs. Lynde, with her snooping, superior, and fault-finding ways, can make even nature get its act together before it dares pass by her window. When Matthew makes his out-of-the-ordinary excursion, Mrs. Rachel Lynde simply must learn where he is going— and when she gets her answer, she must make her judgment known. We have to wonder what else will happen under Mrs. Lynde's all-seeing eye. Question number two. What kind of a person is Marilla Cuthbert? What gives you that impression? Pause the recording to think or talk about it, and then come back and I'll tell you what I think. On first impression, Marilla seems like that image of the stern, serious, ultra-strict school teacher with her gray hair pulled back into a tight little bun. Her home is so tidy that not even the yard has a stray stick or stone. She is so diligent and industrious that she can hardly ever be seen sitting. There is such a graveness about her manner that it seems like she might never have been a child. The best quote about Marilla has to be this brilliantly clever one. Quote, Here sat Marilla Cuthbert, when she sat at all, always slightly distrustful of sunshine, which seemed to her too dancing and irresponsible a thing for a world which was meant to be taken seriously. Unquote. Of course, this is a bit tongue-in-cheek, not entirely meant seriously. But imagine being so dour that you disapprove of sunshine. Did you notice the one little glimmer of sunshine we see in the soul of Marilla? 
It says, quote, There was a saving something about her mouth, which, if it had been ever so slightly developed, might have been considered indicative of a sense of humor. Unquote. Hmm, maybe there's more to Marilla. We'll have to wait and see. Question number three. What do we learn about Matthew? What kind of a man do you think he is? Pause the recording and then restart when you're ready to hear my answer. What we know so far about Matthew can be captured succinctly. He is, in the words of the author, the shyest man alive. He never speaks without necessity. He doesn't like to go out among strangers. His father, as shy as Matthew, built his farm as far as he could from his fellow men. So, when she sees Matthew on a busy afternoon, dressed in his finest, driving the buggy he takes on long trips, it is too much for Mrs. Lynde. She has to know where he is going and why he is going there. Question number four. What are the answers to Mrs. Lynde's questions? And what new question are we left with by the chapter's final line? Pause the recording to give your answer, and then come back to hear mine. Marilla is pretty forthcoming with answers to Mrs. Lynde's prying questions. She tells her that Matthew is on his way to the orphan asylum to bring home a boy who will help them with their work. She says, quote, Matthew is getting up in years, you know. He's 60, and he isn't so spry as he once was. His heart troubles him a good deal. And you know how desperate hard it's got to be to get hired help. Unquote. Mrs. Lynde portends disaster, telling Marilla the story of an orphan who set fire to the house at night and almost burnt his adoptive parents to a crisp in their beds. But Marilla is unmoved, because Matthew was set on it, and because, she says, everything a body does in this world involves risk. Rachel has her answer, and even on her solitary walk home, she continues to exclaim her disapproval of their plan. But the last line of the chapter leaves us with a new question. Quote, so said Mrs. Rachel to the wild rose bushes out of the fullness of her heart. But if she could have seen the child who was waiting patiently at the Bright River Station at that very moment, her pity would have been still deeper and more profound. Unquote. The question is, why is the poor child so deserving of pity? I assume we will soon find out. <laughs> 